Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back. And I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Here we are with our good friends. We'll start with you, Nigel Coker, Luis Garcia, and of course, the one and only Fabrizio Romano here on House of Champions. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment, and also leave a five-star rating because, well, we deserve it. House of Champions begins right now. Nigel Real Coker, we're going to come to you first. How are you doing? I'm great. After just watching that, this is one of the reasons why I love football. I, this takes me back to being a child, watching Brazil and just being so mesmerized and loving everything about it, the way they play, everything that is and makes Brazil. Mm. Always love for the Brazilians. I remember we'll deep, we'll deep dive and on that. You are a big fan of this national team. You said it in the preview to the World Cup, and I'm sure you'll have lots to say about it. Lucho, how are you doing? Big game on the horizon tomorrow for your Spain. Yeah, massive game for Spain tomorrow. And um, no, everything uh, as I'm expecting a tough game, to be honest. Yeah. I know that we can do the job. I know that we got enough talent uh, to to do it and go through. But definitely, I'm still a little bit concerned about the last game. And well, we'll see what happens. But yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, will be interesting matchup. And last but not least, Fabrizio El Rey, the transfer guru, the king, not Pele, the transfer king, <laughs> Romano Fab. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you, my friend. Happy to be here uh, with yeah. you as always. And really happy after watching Brazil. Really, they're yeah. special. They are incredible. I love them. Ah, that's great. Big words coming from an Italian. The Brazilians and the Italians, some history there. We'll deep yes. dive on that another time. <laughs> Fab, I'm going to come to you first. Going to this World Cup, you had an interesting take on this Brazil team. Our producer, Des Norris, if you have the tweet from a one for Bicho Romano, I'm going to come back to this statement. You said, Fab, play one, bench two, sell one. Which, what, I mean, who would you take in these Scenario. It's difficult, huh? Eh? It's difficult, huh? Eh? I, I regret this tweet, honestly, now. But uh, <laughs> I would say no, I would play Vinicius because I'm mm. a big fan of Vinicius Jr. I think sometimes he's underrated. But this boy is super young. He's playing for Real Madrid. He scored in a Champions League final. He's scoring at the World Cup. He's a leader. He's scoring goals. He's providing assists. He's special. So I would play Vinicius, and I'm sure that he will be a potential Ballon d'Or winner in the future. So 
I play Vinicius. I'm sorry to say, but I would bench Neymar. Uh, I know maybe because of the physical conditions. He's not wow. 100% fit, and this is why I bench Neymar with um, <laughs> with Rafinha. Rafinha is not a special player. I think it was not easy for him to adapt at Barcelona in the first months, but what he did with Leeds was absolutely special. This player is absolutely great. I'm sure he will have a great future. And so I'm sorry, but I would sell Lucas Paqueta. Also because his Italian experience with Milan was not great, but then with Lyon and with West Ham, he was very good. So great player but I prefer the others. Oh, there might be some angry people in Brazil <laughs> hearing that you are going to sell Neymar, but that is for another day. Bench some teams Neymar. around no, the world. Bench, bench. Oh, bench, bench Neymar. Bench, Sorry, bench, sell, bench. sell Paqueta. We're going the second half with Neymar. <laughs> I'm still angry, Mike. I want to see Neymar every single time. 70%, 50% of him. I can say that he's more than enough to, to, to bench the other ones. But that's yeah. that's because I'm a big fan of Neymar. That's it. <laughs> no, I agree with you, Lucho. I I would keep him at all costs. Well, speaking of a player who was benched and now is about to be sold or on the cusp of being sold, Cristiano Ronaldo. Love him, hate him, Nigel Coker. We know how you feel about him. But coming to you first, Fab, what is going on? What's the latest with this proposed move, potential move to Saudi Arabia? Yes, it was a busy day around Cristiano Ronaldo's name because we had some rumors uh, saying the deal was done and uh, completed with Al Nas. So I was checking and checking today on different sites, on club side, on player side. And what I'm told is that, as we already said last week, there is an official bid from Al Nas. At the moment, is the only serious bid on the table for Cristiano Ronaldo because there are no negotiations ongoing with European club. And this is why uh, Al Nasr are confident to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. It's an incredible bid. It's a historical bid, I would say, because it's the biggest salary in the history of football. 200 million euros per season oh. until June 2025. So two year and half deal, 200 million euros per season. There is an important point that we mentioned that is part of this salary would be in commercial deals. So it's not, all, it's not only guaranteed salary, but part of it is in commercial deals. And this is why the lawyers of Cristiano Ronaldo are checking the contracts to see how to manage it with the image rights. And this is a key point. So the negotiations are still ongoing. Cristiano, from what I'm told, has not accepted yet the proposal, but it's the only one as of now. So let's see if some European club will decide to jump into it in the next days. What I can guarantee is that Cristiano Ronaldo is not going to sign, accept or agree any contract during the World Cup. He wants to focus on Portugal. He wants to focus on the World Cup. So now the deal will not be done. But Al Nasr are the big favorites to sign Cristiano because it's a crazy bid and because they are, at the moment, the only ones negotiating for Cristiano Ronaldo. Fabrizio, uh, that's uh, so good to see you here and listen to you about all the transfer. It's always fantastic and so so in uh, so so good to to see the inside of every single movement uh, in, in all the world because not only in Europe. Uh, I want to ask you about we've been praising so much Jude Bellingham in the past uh, couple mm. of days or the past uh, couple of weeks because he's been very very impressive and people start talking about uh, just uh, Nigel was asking me the other day listen how good is um, him to be in the Premier League or being in, in La Liga or be in the Bundesliga for for a long time what it would be the, the 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 best place to go and my my question is is he ready to move is there a lot of rumors talking about his movement and how will be the tag price because definitely he has to be rocket 
Yes, first of all, uh, of course, I agree with you. This player is absolutely special, born in 2003, and his numbers are insane. So he's, he's fantastic. And yes, to answer your question, yes, he's ready to move. I think he will leave Borussia Dortmund in, in summer 2023. Borussia Dortmund were still hoping before the World Cup to keep Jude Bellingham for one more year, maybe extend his contract with the release clause and let him leave in 2024, as they did with Erling Haaland. But now with these performances also at the World Cup, they know that it's going to be more than complicated to keep Jude Bellingham. So, yes, I see him leaving in, in the summer. Uh, there is a big difference with Erling Haaland race. You remember that for Erling Haaland was just a race on player side because there was a release clause for 80 million euros. So there was no need to negotiate with Borussia Dortmund. It was only on player side. And this is how Manchester City signed Erling Haaland. Now we have almost the same number of clubs for Jude Bellingham. But in this case, it's also time to negotiate with Borussia Dortmund. So Dortmund didn't want to put a price on Jude Bellingham before the World Cup. They said, let's pick in January, in February, in March. Bellingham will stay in January. So it's for the summer window. Let's take some time and then decide the price in January, in February, after the World Cup. Smart move, I would say, because now I think the price is way more than 100 million euros, the rumored price before the World Cup. But we have to include many clubs in the race. For sure, Liverpool. Liverpool will do a revolution in the midfield in 2023. And Jude Bellingham is the priority target for them. I want to include Real Madrid because Real Madrid are thinking of Jude Bellingham. Let's see what Toni Kroos decides to do. Luka Modric, there are many players in depth on the future of Real Madrid and this is why Jude Bellingham remains a top target for Real Madrid. I would include Manchester City because they will go for a midfielder too in summer 2023 and they want Bellingham. At the moment, it's a bit more complicated for my United. They would love to sign him, but it's more difficult for them. So these three clubs are the three big favourites. Let's see Chelsea what will decide to do for the midfielders because they wanted Frankie de Jong last summer as my United too and Frank and um, Chelsea remain also keen on Bellingham. But City, Liverpool and Real Madrid, these are the three clubs ready in the battle for Jude Bellingham. Fabrizio, the man that knows it all. Two questions for you because you know one is just not enough for you. I know your time is precious. <laughs> just to go back to the Ronaldo thing because I've said yes. it before. I want you to clarify it. I personally believe that Ronaldo wants to stay in Europe Forget about this money he's being offered. His thing is about staying in Europe and it's about competing against Messi and going for records for the Champions League. Is that something that you personally believe? Yes, I agree with you. I think Even that he's waiting... Club. He's waiting on this crazy bid because honestly, it's crazy. It's completely crazy to see 200 million euros in one season. But he's waiting because he's waiting for something from Europe. So he wants to stay here. Also, the same bid from Al Nasser, this is an important detail. The same bid was on the table in August. It was exactly the same. And Cristiano didn't want to accept because he preferred to stay in Europe, even if Man United were not in the Champions League, because he wanted to continue European football. So to your point, yes, he wants to stay in Europe, but he needs to find the right opportunity. Great. And then last question. Out of all the stars we've seen, you talk about Gapo, you see about uh, Ricarlison having a fantastic World Cup so far. Who do you think or what player do you think will leave this World Cup as the biggest transfer? And I know you just spoke about Jude Bellingham. What player would be the one that leaves? Cody Gakpo, I would say, because Gakpo was on a very good level in the summer already, also in September, October, very good numbers with PSV Eindhoven, but scoring three goals in the group stages, doing very well in the following game against uh, the USA. And then now let's see what he will do against Argentina, but I think his World Cup was absolutely impressive. And if some club had some doubts on spending 50 million on this player, because, you know, they can think he's a Redivisia player, he's maybe not ready for the top level. Now on the international stage, he's doing fantastic. He's showing that he is consistent, he can score goals, he can provide assists, he's a top professional. This is an important point. When they spend that kind of money, they want to make sure that these guys are 
top professionals are not going to create any problem in the dressing room. And Gakpo is a special guy, not just a special player. So I think after this World Cup, the message to the top clubs is pretty clear. And I expect him to move in 2023 with a, with a really, to a really big club. And let me mention also Josko Gvardiol, because this player is, is great. I, I love centre-backs too, not just who score goals. Yeah. And Gvardiol will yeah. get a top move in 2023. And just last one as well, a player that I'm familiar with from covering him from the Copa Libertadores, who's been fantastic for Argentina, Enzo Fernandez. What's the chance Ooh, of him moving? Because all of a sudden now there's been a lot of clubs paying close attention to this young man. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, an incredible player too. Uh, as you mentioned, he was doing great with River Plate and also in the Champions League with Benfica. Let's remind that Benfica won the group with Juventus and Paris Saint-Germain and then so Fernandez was one of the players who was doing incredible things with Argentina too. So I don't see him leaving in January, honestly, because Benfica want to keep the player. They just signed him a few months ago and so I see him staying in January. But in the summer, there will be many giants jumping on Enzo Fernandez. All the clubs I mentioned for Jude Bellingham also have some plan B in the list. And that's so Fernandez in the list of many on those clubs because they know how special he is. There is a point. He has a release clause and it's a release clause that I'm told is 120 millions. And now I think Benfica would sell for maybe 90, 95. But if he continues like this with Argentina and with Benfica and the Champions League too, I would not be surprised if the price would be 120 millions, the release clause. Wow, Fab. Whatever the price is in the end for both of these players, you can definitely catch them on Paramount Plus in the UEFA Champions League knockout stages coming in February. Fab, for me, I, I have to go with my heart. And Ian Paul Joy, our host, always says, You're, you always go with your heart, never your head. Don't know how I take that one because I think I make some wise decisions. But I have to go with my heart when I think about the U.S. men's national team. Last time we had Jan, we touched on it. Has there been any updates for the futures of some of these young players? You mentioned something about Weston McKinney, but the U.S. men's national team, they really surprised a few people at this World Cup. Yes, and I think there will be some players on the move. I don't know if it's going to be January or the summer, but uh, I told you about McKinney at the moment. There are no negotiations, but I think he has chances to go to Premier League clubs. So let's see what happens in January. And remember Yunus Musa, because on Musa there are Premier League clubs interested. There are many, many clubs that are keeping tabs on this boy. And so I think he will get a top move in 2023. Let's see if it's going to be January or summer. But I think he has very good chances to go back to England when it all started with Arsenal. Fabrizio, is Pulisic a superstar? I really like this player, but I think he has to play. He has to play all the yeah. single games. He, he really needs to play. Uh, he's too many times on the bench. I think there are some players at Chelsea, Pulisic, Ziyech is the same. They're not playing. And they have to play. These kind of players, they have to play. So if they want to show they are a superstar, they have to play. So at the moment, no. Uh, Fab, a question from the chat. Rui Lopez, sticking with Spain and a player that has been looking very good, that plays his football in Spain, uh, former Benfica man, Jao Felix. Is there any truth or what's the latest of a potential loan move away from Atletico Madrid to Benfica, his parent club, where he started his career? I think no. That would be mad. To pay 127 million euros for a player in 2019 and then to loan him to the same club for, for, for Atletico Madrid would be absolutely crazy. So, no. I think he has a chance to leave in January. Yes. Mm. Because he has a chance to leave on a permanent deal for maybe 80, 90 millions. We will see. But not on loan. And uh, I'm curious to see which club, because it's not easy to find the right club for a player with the skills of Joe Felix. Fantastic player, but that kind of player for a January move is not an easy one. So he's open to leaving the club. This is the reality, but it depends on the proposal. So too early to say, but not to Benfica on loan. 
Uh, to, to move a bit from transfers to just your overall reaction. And I, I feel like you're someone who has to answer a lot of questions about potential moves, but just as a fan of football, what's been your impression of, let's just say matches like today, there's been a lot of drama at the world cup, but the knockout stages have really delivered in terms of entertainment. I'm really happy with this World Cup, honestly. Uh, I think having the World Cup in November and December was something new, but now we can see that all the top layers are in top form. So they are delivering. They're doing very well. I continue with my pick with Spain. I don't know what Lucho feels. I know tomorrow's <laughs> game is not going to be easy, but I see Spain as World Cup winner. I said one month ago, yeah. and I keep going with them. I love Spain. I love their their group. You know, I think the group makes the difference because now it's easy to score four or five goals, but then in the difficult moments, you have to see the group. And so... Uh, I think very good workup, many stars doing great, many top players confirming how good they are on the international stage. But I'm curious to see on the next one. The next one is the moment of the truth, because now it's pretty easy for the big ones mm. to win. But let's see on the next the next one is going to be interesting. Yeah? Fabrizio, just a last question. For me, I'm I'm very different. I like to think ahead. We see what Benzema's done and achieved at Real Madrid. We see maybe, like you said, about Modric and Cruz coming to the end. Yes. Do you think Mbappe is basically putting a statement at this World Cup of why Real Madrid are pursuing him. And does you do you see that deal ever happening? Mbappe ending up at Real Madrid? It's really difficult to say because, you know, it was really complicated uh, what, to explain what happened last summer. Uh, Florentino Perez was really disappointed with Kylian Mbappé, but really disappointed because at Real Madrid, they were convinced that at the end Kylian Mbappé was going to join them. So it's a really tense situation around Kylian Mbappé and Real Madrid, but in football and in the transfer market, never say never. Let me say one thing. You mentioned Benzema uh, in the final years of his career, of his amazing career, of course. But Real Madrid are working these days, these weeks, and probably in the next weeks for Hendrik, this talented boy from Palmeiras, 2006, super young player, but top talent. There are Paris Saint-Germain and Chelsea too in the race. But I'm told that in the last few days, Real Madrid are really pushing to sign this boy. He would arrive in summer 2024 when he will be 18 to Europe. And so keep an eye on this one because I know we always mention Mbappé, Haaland, but Hendrik is a top talent and Real Madrid want to have him as part of the future project. You can't go wrong with that one. You cannot go wrong. I've watched him as well play for Palmeiras. That kid is absolutely yeah, frightening. That's a generation talent. That is the next Neymar for Brazil. Like it's diff he's special. I'm curious on one point. Maybe you know him better than me on a technical point of view. But I was speaking with a friend in football of mine today about Hendrik. And he was telling me, remember that with number nines uh, in Europe coming from Brazil, is never so easy in the last few years. Of course, a part of Ronaldo, Rivaldo and these legends. But in the last 20 years, if you think of Alexandre Pato, if you think of Adriano, it was never that easy. Also got the gold moving to, to Inter and then was complicated. It was never so easy. So I'm curious to see how Hendrik will do. But I agree with you. What I saw is absolutely special. Uh, Fab, Vic K from the chat was curious throughout watching this World Cup, and I think you know where I'm going to go, the Beats by Dre. You made a bold prediction at the time <laughs> that looked even more bold during the match, especially at halftime. I thought it was a hilarious reaction. <laughs> Looks like you won. What was what was going through your mind during the J Japan match? Well, we'll touch on later with these guys, but yes. what was that like for you? Yeah, no, that was, that was absolutely mad. But honestly, you know, it's not easy for me because I love Croatia. I love their approach. I, I it's, It was really difficult for me because I love Japan approach, but Croatia players, I think they're very good. Sometimes they're really underrated. What Luka Modric is doing in football, I think is something that sometimes we forget, but his numbers, how he's helping the team uh, at his age is something absolutely, absolutely insane. So 
I was happy for Japan and what they did in this World Cup has been yeah. absolutely incredible. And Ritsu Doan has been great. He's showing that he can get a top move. I don't know if it's going to be January or the summer, but for sure he can be in a top club very soon. But I want to say congrats to, to Croatia national team because when you think they are out and almost tight, they are always there. Yeah, that's good points, Fab. Hopefully, Duan does get that big move. I've got a mate who's from Freiburg, big Freiburg fan, who is hoping they cash in on that. Fab, as always, thank you very much for your time. I know you're a man with a lot of things on your plate, but thank you for your insight. Thank you for your information and looking forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, guys. It's a super pleasure to share my time with you uh, and see you soon here on House of Champions. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Fab. All right, let's get down to the nitty-gritty, lads. I've been waiting to dissect this one. We always go from the most fresh match in our minds. Brazil absolutely thumps South Korea. It was a game that was really finished once the halftime whistle blew. Lucho, coming to you first, what were your initial thoughts when the whistle blew on this match? Uh, you are being very nice to the <laughs> Korean. <laughs> he was already done in 13 minutes. There we've yeah. seen, even though they start well, you could see the the, the intention, the, the the plan that they had in the first in the first minute. They're in very tight, not allowing um, the Brazilian players to to try even turn. Uh, Brazil knew about that, knew about that pressing, so they slowed down those first 10 minutes. And yeah, you you were expecting something, but. Suddenly you found uh, that first goal and then they start thinking we need to start pressing a little bit higher and then they found the second goal and then it's over because uh, today Brazil, it was just too much. Too much quality. We've been talking in in, in this show for quite a while that the, the players who can make the difference are here in Brazil, in France. Players on the wide areas who can be players, who can have that speed, who can be unpredictable. And today, once again, they've been amazing. Vinicius, uh, Rafinha... Uh, even Paqueta from the midfield, Neymar, uh, I think that he played 50%, 60%, yeah. uh, because you could see that he wasn't turning well, he, was, he wasn't starting the run uh, properly. You could see there was something missing. And of course, after we saw what he had in his ankle, that strap tight, probably he's been injected with uh, with something for the pain, uh, anti-inflammed. So you knew that uh, Neymar, 50 60%, he can deliver. He can be so special. And, well, I think Brazil at the moment is being the, is the, the most complete uh, team because we were talking with, uh, with with my friend, one of a good friend of mine, uh, analyzing the game. And if you see how good they are at the back, how well organized, how much experience they have with Thiago, with Marquinhos, with Militao, they got speed, they are strong, they can build up from the back. Then you got players in the middle that can give you that balance, can be always... Yeah. Uh, in the right position, allowing the players uh, in front of them to to run, to 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 have freedom, to move around, and you saw that. I mean, uh, Vinicius is on fire at the moment. He was missing that goal, but he was creating. Was always been a threat. Uh, Rafinha felt so good, felt so good because I think the manager gave you that that confidence. You are gonna be the main man. Of course, Anthony is a massive player, is a very quality player. But I want yeah. you there when a player like him receive that confidence of trying things, going and be players, passing, scoring. That's something special. And well, uh, at the end today, I think it's been shown that the Brazil goes for it because even the intensity in the second half when they were winning 4-0 to try to regain the ball, it was high. And I think that I like it. That I like it, that hunger of we want more. This Brazil for me is probably the best Brazil team and most complete Brazil team I've ever seen in my life. Wow, and those are big you words. talk about some of the legends, but it, it's hard to deny it. You can't deny it. And it goes back to also, I'm going to link to what Lucho said a while again, a while ago. 
what makes some nations great is you can have half your players in your domestic league and other half the players playing around the world because that gel and coming together makes such a big difference. And the reason why I'm saying this is watching some of the Libertadores, watching a lot of Brazilian teams in Brazil, the difference of the Brazilian teams that do well are the Brazilian teams who bring in European managers because the only thing that's missing is that discipline. It's the discipline and the shape from a defensive perspective. You look at Brazil's back line where most of their players play. It's not the old Brazil where they'll still take crazy risks, unnecessary risks, and give op opponents opportunities. This Brazil team is a disciplined team because, like Lucho said, when you've got half playing domestically, half playing around the world, you learn so much. Playing in Europe, the big difference from Europe and um, Copa Libertadores for me is just the fact of discipline. But all around, the talent is there. The togetherness is there. And I think people need to be scared when your players are celebrating with the manager like that and see that amount of unity. That amount of unity with the manager like that is a scary feeling because even the players that are not playing and knowing they can be subbed off any time, there's just such a great togetherness. And that, for me, is the Brazilian culture. I don't think there's anyone or any team that's as complete as the Brazilian team. I personally feel the only player in world football who can be a problem to this Brazilian team is Kylian Mbappe. I can't see any other problem yeah. because to beat this Brazilian team, you need serious pace, serious threat with quality. You have to go at them, but you have to be vulnerable. Like Lujo said before we started the show, you could go at Brazil. You can threaten to go in behind. But for nine minutes and plus, you have to keep praying while you're playing that way because they can expose <laughs> you with the quality and the talent mm -hmm. that they have. This is a scary, scary Brazil team. That for me was a complete performance and it's hard to see any other team that can live with them from front to back. Yeah, I, I like how you said the, the words complete. Both of you touched on a lot of good points about the fluidity, the amount of players who get in the attack, the interchanging that goes on. And some of these players you can catch on Paramount Plus. And when the Champions League, Champions League comes back, the likes of Neymar, Vinicius Juniors, Richarlison, who seems to have the Superman S on his chest when he plays for Brazil, love what this guy does. And one thing that's unheralded about this Brazilian team, I love how they press from the front. On that second goal, Richarlison makes something out of absolutely nothing, has an appetite to regain the ball. All of that front three, Vinicius Jr. tracking back to win balls in midfield and, and take some of that pressure off their back line, which leads me to this, fellas. Big question for you. Every team has its vulnerabilities. It's just football. We're all human. What do you think is this Brazilian's team's biggest vulnerability the remaining way of this World Cup? Lucha, I'll go with you. Uh, for me, I think if you manage to take the ball away from them, if you make them be frustrated, if Neymar is not on the ball, if Vinicius is not on the ball, if Rafinha is not on the ball, making uh, try to uh, have to regain the ball, make him run, make him move around, that's the only way that I think that you can frustrate this Brazilian team. If you allow them to have the ball, and you allow them to receive the ball in between the lines without no pressure, you have no chance. So if you take the ball away from them and make them run, these are players that they can track one time, maybe two times. But the third one, they're going to look at each other and say, I'm not the one I'm going to run. I'm, I'm the player who have to get the ball, run 50 meters and score a goal. So then you can make this team break into pieces. The midfielders with the strikers or the defense with the strikers. That's the opportunity because the gaps will, uh, will start. But to take a ball away from this team, you need to have a lot of quality in yours. So it's not going to be easy. Not many teams can have that. Yep, you definitely have to have a lot of quality. I think the other thing you need is you're going to have to have pace. 
Because we've seen what a, a simple ball over the top can do. But when you have that pace, you have to be brave. You have to be willing to take risks. And also when you do get possession, when Brazil press so quickly, and Lucho will tell you about this, the players that you have have to have quality because they have to keep possession because they swarm on you in threes and fours and you have to play through that first press to keep possession and be able to start again and build something. Because if you keep turning over the ball, playing against such quality players for 90 minutes is going to be like hell. But I personally feel that, like Luke, like I said before, you have to be brave. You have to go at this Brazilian team. You have to be direct at times and you have to pray because I don't <laughs> see no weaknesses. And I think even when you talk about weaknesses, Mike, Lucho, yeah. Alisson gave a performance to show Brilliant. why he is the best goalkeeper yeah. in the world. Brilliant. Because true, not true. only do you beat and get past that tough back line, yeah. but you've got an immense of a goalkeeper who is the best goalkeeper in the world right now, and you still have to finish it. That just shows how good and strong this Brazil side is. Yeah, I, I just wonder what's going to happen. It's almost been this fairy tale sort of World Cup. It almost seems like the red carpet's rolled out for Brazil. I just wonder when those shots go missing, when the a team gets very physical with them, maybe not around their box because they can hit free kicks. I just wonder when every World Cup, a team that wins, there's always one game, whether it's in the Champions League, in club football, or at the World Cup, there's always that one game that throws you off. I just wonder if this next game, I know Croatia, given what they've done, they're underwhelming. Nigel, I know you agree with that more than <laughs> anyone in this show's history, in this show's historic history, and everyone in Brazil. But it's, it's got to be said, which leads me to this. Brazil plays Croatia next. That's a tricky game, no matter how you look at it. Croatia does have the experience. Brazil has the stars. What's your quick prediction on that? Because it's going to be a tough one for the Croats. I'm going for Brazil because Brazil have had a luxury of rotating and changing players and having the same level of quality coming in. Mm. Croatia have been unbelievable. Great, great club, a great country, <laughs> well run, great footballing nation, great experience, great quality. But what Brazil have is way too much from Croatia and then Croatia going to extra time against Japan today is going to play a big factor because they haven't rotated a lot. It's going to be mm. so demanding for them. And then let's be real. When you look at that Brazil performance again, guys, Look how focused they were from the start of the yeah. game. This is a focused Brazil side. Take away all the celebrations and the dancing. Those guys are focused. You can tell by body language and how they do in the game, how they go about in the game. Yeah, definitely. For me, I, I agree with you. I think that the um, uh, Croatian side has been uh, good. Not very good. I will say good. We've been missing today much more. We will talk a little bit later on. Kramer, uh, we haven't seen much about Perisic. Just only on the goal. Modric, they haven't been what we were expecting. But definitely what he, what he makes the, the big difference is that in the second half uh, and part of the extra time in Croatia, when you start seeing the, the players coming in, you know that the quality drops so much, yeah. so much on the Croatian team. And today in Brazil, when you see that they are replacing and they're coming in, uh, Rodrigo and he's coming in, Anthony and he's coming in, so much quality up front, so much quality in the middle. So at the end, if they need to go extra time, they will have enough power, enough strength, enough quality to continue going. And I don't think that uh, this Croatian uh, team is going to have uh, enough to do that. So I'm going to go Brazil. And Brazil, if Croatia tries to do something to uh, to, to win big, big time, yeah. because uh, they, we've seen this Croatian side making a lot of uh, errors, a lot of mistakes at the back. 
Yeah, I look at the way Japan, and we'll touch on that after the break, but the way Japan took it to Croatia, missed that second goal. I look at that and I see if this Brazilian team has those chances. I agree with you, Lucho. Could get ugly. Well, there you have it. Half of the show gone. We will take a break and come back and look at the Japan-Croatia game. That one was nerve-ending stuff. Just have the stuff that you want to bite your teeth. I know I certainly did. Don't look at my, my uh, nails right now. But we'll be over we'll to break and come back shortly. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to House of Champions. Don't stop watching the world's best soccer stream every match of the UEFA's Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for club. Sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code ALLYEAR at ParamountPlus.com slash sports. As we always say here, we got to keep the lights on, hit the promos. And now that that's out of the way, let's get to the nitty gritty. Japan, Croatia. It was the first game of the day and a game that really had a bit of everything in it. Just was missing multiple goals. I'm going to come to you, Nigel, first. You are not very high on this Croatia team. You are not very high on on them going into the World Cup. Has anything changed from what you've seen today? Yeah, I just think that there's no real um, replacement for experience and quality. And that's what Mm. Croatia have. I think my main worry for Croatia was their athleticism. I never denied the quality of players that they have and the experience that they have. And I feel for me, if, again, Japan could have been a bit more clinical, I sensed a bit of nervousness from the Japanese players in the final third because they got in some great areas. If they just got that extra bit of composure, and put a better quality ball in, they could have really caused a lot more problem for this Croatia side. They were missing that kind of Modric-like player, in my opinion, at Japan, because they did have some great chances. I felt it was so hard to play against this Japanese side because technically they're good. Energy-wise, they're absolutely phenomenal. They can grind a lot of teams down. But this goes to show when we have a discussion, there always has to be that balance. Croatia's quality shined and showed in the end. Perisic's goal was just absolutely phenomenal. That is not an easy goal. To head it from that distance, come in in front and cross the defender, put it into the far corner. What a goal. And it just goes to show the quality. Again, you still worry against better quality oppositions who are capable technically as well. This Croatia side will struggle. But you can never write them off. And I think it's beautiful to watch. I love watching Modric play. I think it's absolutely phenomenal how much of an amazing player he is. And, you know, he deserves all the flowers that he's getting. But 
it was a good game of football. And, and I just felt that for me, Japan were lacking that little bit of belief and composure and confidence in that final third. Japan is all about uh, uh, intensity, it's all about uh, discipline, it's all about working very hard, uh, have a good pressure and trying to throw you to, you make a mistake. Uh, and that's all about, I mean, the player that you are looking forward probably is Kamada. That's the one he's got the composure when he's got the ball uh, on the build uh, receiving in between the lines and bring the ball to the players in front. In front, you got Maeda. That there's been a lot of criticism about this player today. That he found the goal, but uh, I was analyzing him a little bit. I mean, the, all the movements, all the runs, the pressure that he does is just fantastic. But he doesn't have that end product. And when you are building and you have a, a team that is working so hard, you need a player who can capitalize those chances. They have a couple of them, yeah. and they could have had that goal, extra goal, apart from the one that they scored. And they didn't do that. And they knew that they were not ha going to have four or five chances. I mean, uh, Croatia were well seated at the back when they needed. They were compact. Uh, but this this side, when they start uh, going forward, uh, Modric is not tracking back anymore because he, mm. he cannot do it. He's been playing almost every single game, every single minute. Uh, he was rest I was surprised because he was rested when the penalty was arriving. I was thinking, oh my God, he is one of the best players. <laughs> He's going to get the penalties. Yes, yeah. living on there. But he wanted to bring a little bit fresh legs because the Japanese side, as the game was going forward, they could continue with that run. So at the end, I was I was expecting a, a better Croatia today. I was expecting they had a very good two very good chances in the beginning, but they were like very sloppy. They looked very tired in the last minutes of the game. So yeah, once again, penalties, penalties, a lottery. But the pressure, I think, that it was just too much for this um, for this uh, uh, Japanese side. And well, uh, they know how to do it. They've done it before. Uh, they they've done it uh, in different sides. So yeah, mm, uh, I'm I'm I, I was I was sad to be honest uh, to see yeah. Japan uh, leaving because I think uh -huh. we all have a little bit of caring after what they've done. But uh, definitely Croatia they deserve it to go through, and I think that they're not going to have any chance in the next one. Well, our fans can agree that the two people no one ever wants to see a sad version of. No sad son, no sad Lucho. So we'll make you happy, Lucho. Coming to both of you on personal experiences, uh, I could speak to this as well, but not to the level that both of you can. When you're in a final and you are in these players' shoes of a major international competition, Lucho, you've been there for context for our fans. Lucho, you've been there in the biggest game in club football of all, 2007 UEFA Champions League final. NRC, I know this is going to be a painful one, but to the 2006 FA Cup final with good old West Ham, what is going through <laughs> the, the mind and the mentality of these players? I mean, what is it like to be there with all that pressure on you? Lucho, we'll start with you. Yeah, of course. But are you asking about the final 2002 Nigel? I got the context. Let's go take the, the winning, winning, the winning one. First. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, to be honest, it's, it's, it's a, a roller coaster of emotions um, because uh, for this 2005, uh, 2005 final in Istanbul, after what we happened during the game, that it was also a, a massive effort. You were drained. And mentally and physically, and you arrive to those penalties. I didn't have the chance, not because I didn't want it. I tried by everything asking um, Rafa Benitez to, to allow me to take a penalty, but he said that I was too tired. And I thought, I only have to run six meters to get the penalty. <laughs> Come on, I can do that. <laughs> but no, I couldn't have. But definitely, even not being involved in that is just such a stress, such a pressure that, that you feel. I was just getting nervous when I saw 
Um, Didi Haman uh, grabbing the ball and saw walking through the penalty spot. I cannot even imagine what it is to be there, to look around. We were shooting uh, uh, behind the goals of uh, the AC Milan supporters. Wow. So the, the noise that they were making to try to pull you out of your focus and to your get it out of your uh, comfort zone is just amazing. And well, we were we were we were good enough, or we were happy enough that we managed to to get the the result to win the penalty shootout. But definitely, is something that, uh, as experience, uh, you're never gonna uh, uh, forget it because it, it takes you uh, to such a, a level of of pressure that I don't think that I'm gonna I'm not gonna feel anymore that kind of of feeling because um, it's a totally different style. Hmm. Also, Lucho, Lucho, Lucho hit the nail on the head. You will never get that feeling again. And if you're on the losing side, like I was, that feeling never goes. It stays with you for the rest of your bloody life. Let people know that. And I'll say this now. <laughs> no matter what they say about practicing and, you know, these clubs go in, they practice, they're mentally ready. It's all cobblers. It's never the same as it is on game day. After playing 120 minutes worth of football, it's never the same. When you pick up that ball, that lonely walk to the goal, the goal just shrinks with every step you get there. Your <laughs> legs are heavy like you're wearing concrete boots. And it is it becomes the hardest thing in the world. People think, oh, yeah, just smash it. But they're not realizing the fatigue and tiredness. And bear in mind, Lucho and I grew up in a generation of being box-to-box -box midfielders where you had to be able to do everything. You didn't get the luxury of just sitting there for 90-plus <laughs> minutes or just attacking only for 90-plus minutes. But I'd say for me, um, we did it. Uh, I'm going to go to my under-21s experience when we lost to Holland. And that was when uh, Drentner went to Real Madrid after that. Yeah. Um, I scored every penalty every day in practice for leading up to this. Every penalty I scored, didn't miss one. So when it came to it, I had to take one. By that time, my legs were absolutely knackered. And it was an awful penalty. But there was nothing I can do. I tried to put it in the corner, didn't get it far enough, and it hurt. And then the FA Cup final against Liverpool other players scored all their practice penalties. And by that time, you had nothing to give. And obviously, we lost to Liverpool. But the experience you go through, you can never put it into words, Michael. And then when you miss, it's something that stays with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. No, it's, it's the agony of being on that fine line between getting it right. I mean, it's only 12 yards between getting it right, being a hero, and being a scapegoat for your country. Nothing scapegoaty about the effort and the performances of this Japanese team. I, I look at the body language. That's what, one of the things I always see when even being on the field or you know, watching from your living room, watching from the stadium, when you look at the body language of the Japanese players, there just seemed to be this lack of confidence. I think of Yoshida going up. I think of a player who I thought he was going to be the person to unlock this Croatian backline in transition, Matoma. They didn't look as confident, and the goalkeeper looked like a world beater, Dominic Lavakovic. I mean, he equaled the record for saves from goalkeepers at the World Cup. Three saves. Whenever you have three saves, let alone two, you know you're going to win. And this Croatia team, they've been there, done that. In previous World Cups, they've been there, done that four years ago through penalty kicks, won two, was it the round of 16 against Denmark, and the quarterfinals against Russia. And to do it without the likes of Luka Modric, Kramaric, Perisic, and Kovacic on the bench, that's the stuff that takes a lot of guts as a manager. And I've got to ask you guys this, just rounding out the PK conversation, is there anything of going first or second? Do you prefer to go first or second from your personal experience? Does it give you an advantage? 
Nige? I think I think for me, I don't know what Lucho thinks. I think a lot of penalties, Mike, and this is my personal belief, I think a lot of penalties is based on confidence. Hmm. It's confidence where it's borderline arrogance. You've got to have your most confident players take it because it's different, like I said, after you play a game. And when you look at when you said about the Japanese players missing, I said at the start of the game, remember, I said I didn't see them looking confident. I said they looked nervous at times at the start of the game. And like you said in their penalties, you can tell straight away they wanted to get it over and done with so quickly that the confidence, the lack of confidence thereof is the results of what happened. But I think that if you're going to have penalties, I would say I would rather go first. I think going first is probably the better thing than going second because you, when you go after, I feel there's a more burden pressure on you of expectancy to have to score. But when you go first, you're leading the way. Yeah, definitely. I will go with that one. I will go uh, to to get it first and try to take. You always have the chance of the the, the penalty in case you miss that the the keeper uh, can save the second one and then you take the pressure out. Or if you put the goal in, the pressure is on the next uh, player to to take the penalty uh, on the opponent. So I will go like to go first. And I have to say yeah. that definitely uh, when when you manage to arrive. Uh, to that situation, imagine the Japanese. Japanese is uh, then the mentality of the Japanese people is totally different, like the Europeans or Latin American ones. And they are so disciplined, they are so um, straight, so honest in many occasions. And when you and when they arrive there, they don't have that freedom sometimes that we feel that. And you said it, that arrogance that we have sometimes. And you need to have that kind of arrogance, that kind of I'm going here and this is my moment and I'm going to do it. They are so so quiet. They are so. Um, mm. Uh, it's different. It's a different mentality that they that they have, and when you arrive to that moment with that kind of pressure on you, knowing that it's been so difficult to arrive there, and you have to score because if not, it's on you. That's your mistake. I think it was just too much, and the penalty is true that they were not the best penalties, but that is because that pressure that you feel, that kind of uh, roller coaster of emotion that you are getting inside you. So, yeah, it was sad to to see them leave. Uh, you know, just the entire neutral world watching this Japanese team. One of really the feel-good stories of this World Cup to play the way they played, to top the group unexpectedly, to beat the likes of Spain, to beat the likes of Germany, to do it in the way they did without the ball, and to be undone by really the experience of this Croatia team that, that is not the sexiest team when you look at them on paper outside of their midfield and outside of that core group of World Cup stars from 2018. It's the cruelty of the game. Some of you chiming in, Matt Osmond, saying that those are some of the easiest PKs to save. Hey, you still got to save them at the end of the day. The pressure is there. Uh, just last on this game, guys. I mean, for Croatia, where do they go from here? Because if they show up and play like they did against Brazil, I mean, we could we could be talking a lot about one of the ugliest losses in Croatian history. Lucho, you touched on it. If this might get ugly, yeah, it could get ugly in the moment that they that they think that doing the normal things is going to work against Brazil. I mean, they haven't been really tested until today, and uh, against Brazil, you're going to need to bring something special. I know that they can compete. I know that they can deliver. They, they got talent. They got players at the back with experience in the middle who are playing at the highest level. But to play against Brazil, you need something different. You need to be very tight at the back, not leaving the space, to bring a lot of uh, pressure, bring a lot of intensity on the game. And in the moment that you start making gaps, this Brazilian team is going to kill you on speed. If you've seen today uh, Vinicius Union on the left side, he was flying. Every single moment that he, was, he had the chance of running, he's going to run you over. And you need to be ready for that. And this creation side, after 60, 70 minutes... 
they run out of legs. And mm-hmm. what I was mentioned before, when you don't have the same amount of quality on your bench that the one you got in the 11 started, you are going to be in trouble. I just yeah. think for me that, like Lucho said, there's not really much to add to that. I think that um, Croatia experience, they're going to compete. They're going to be a lot more difficult to break down I won't, because I don't see Croatia as being a possession-based team in this World Cup. The problem is you just don't want to sit there for 90 minutes, Mike. So yeah. as much as they're going to be organized, they're going to be defensively tight. They know they're going to try and obviously nullify Neymar. It's only going to be a matter of time, but they still have to show some threat, some way of getting yeah. an outlet, some way of creating Brazil some problems because they can't sit there for 90 minutes and defend against Brazil to think they can uh, win the game in that kind of manner. But again, playing extra time against Japan does not help their cause. They haven't rotated their team a mm. lot. They don't have like for like quality to come in. That's going to play a big part. So Brazil can be even more patient as need be. And as the game wears on, they've got the luxury of taking off so many players and bringing on even more dangerous players. You can take off Rafinha and bring on Martinelli, <laughs> who's the second quickest player in the World Cup, probably. Baller. <laughs> no, those are both great points. I, I think... One thing to keep in mind as well, Croatia is one of the oldest teams at this World Cup. It's one of the benefits. You see the benefit of it in shootouts when you get to the knockout stages, but you also see it in how these old heads can't last 90 minutes, can't last 120 minutes or through penalty kicks. Let's preview tomorrow's matches, the final day of round of 16 matches. Lucho coming to you first. España. I have to practice my <laughs> Spanish accent. Acento, acento, acento. Lucho, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling as Spain goes up against a tough Morocco side? Yeah, I'm 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 feeling as confident as I, as I can be. I think Spain has got enough quality, enough talent. I'm looking forward to see what Luis Enrique is gonna uh, get ready for the 11 started because he's always been playing around with some of the players. I don't know if Rodri is going to stick as a centre-back. I don't know if he's going to keep the, the three midfielders, the same ones. Up front, there's always been a change. I don't know if he's going to be Ansu Fati or, or maybe Asensio or Morata is going to be the, the, the main player. But definitely, uh, I think that we need to be ready for a big battle. In the middle is a, ma- a massive battle that, that yeah. we need to win. And of course, at the back, we cannot make any mistakes. I mean, in the city... It's going to get ready for run. Uh, CJ, you know that he is a player who is unpredictable. He can get a, get a strike from 25 meters and put in the top corner. He can th- pass you in through the in between the lines for a run of CJ, uh, for a run of uh, NC City. So they got players ready for bottle. And I think that, that we need to, to, to be aware of that. Um, after that, I think that we got enough to quality to, to go through. Um, but yeah, let's see what happens. I'm really curious to see what uh, what eleven is going to take uh, Luis Enrique. Yeah, Nigel, uh, I'll come to you on this and tee you up for the next match because Lucho, yeah. I think you've hit the Spain Morocco game on its head and really encapsulated it well. I, I got to come to you, Nigel, because you're your guy. I feel like you're the player hater, CR7 player hater. He's not for my good guy. Reason. Stop telling people he's my guy. He's a top class <laughs> player, but me and him are not like close mates or friends. No, right? no, no. I'm only poking fun. Drama in the Portugal camp. CR7 at it again. And I think you're one of the people to really. Keep an eye on this. What has he done lately, and how can this potentially impact Nuno Santos and his group? It's not great. I mean, I don't understand it. I don't know if he's going through something. We saw the whole Manchester United interview, which is out of character. And I've seen his body language in this World Cup, and it hasn't been great. Um, I don't know 
if he's actually going out of his way now to try and make himself become this bad guy villain because it's not his character, it's not who he is. He's always been so conscious aware about branding and being this brand and certain in, in that kind of um, realm of branding. And then now it's going completely against his brand. The manager's not uh, is not happy with him because of his reaction from being substituted. And now for the manager to come out and say that he's not sure if he's going to captain the country in this round of 16, that's a big kick in the face. That That is a that is a, mm. a, a, a punch to the gut, especially for Ronaldo and his situation right now. To have the national team captaincy taken away from you in the last round of 16, I think that could cause some problems. I really do. I think now with that happening to him, it could lead to other players, and Lucho can add to this, it could look, lead to other players in the dressing room now to look at him in a different light. Whether that harmony will still be there I don't know what Lucho thinks. I think now that can really affect things more so than his interview about Manchester United. Yeah. At the end, it's all, it's all about, uh, we, we don't have all the information that they have into the dressing room. I don't know. We don't know if uh, he has talked with uh, teammates uh, in the previous. I think he mentioned something about that. They all know me. They all know. But at the end, uh, it's a lack of respect when you do that kind of things. And that, that thing, even though that you have, I, they look that they have a good group and everything. When something starts happening around one player, uh, it can affect. And we are not talking about a regular player; we're talking about one of the most important players that they have in their history. And that is is going to affect in some point. It's going to affect enough to not perform well because you know Nigel, Mike, you too. That when the whistle blows, you forget about everything. You are focusing on what you have to do. It's true that when if the things are not going the right direction is when you start looking around and start pointing people. Yeah. But uh, I think that they got just a lot of quality on the squad to 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 have a good game. So I'm I'm not sure that that is going to affect them any, anything on, on, during the game. I mean, I think I'm, I'll go against Luke Cho a little bit. I think sometimes now, especially in the modern game, the players are probably a lot more connected to their emotional side of things. In our generation, we were kind of a bit more programmed, old school, macho style, bully boy generation we grew up in. But I think what might upset a few people in there is Portugal have some other superstars alone. Now, this is just my interpretation of it. I think Ronaldo's looking at himself like a godlike figure. Mm. So when you do something like that, that might affect some of the people in the dressing room to look at you to think, listen, I'm also a top class player playing in, in Europe. I might not be on your level, but it doesn't mean I can look at myself in a godlike way and look down upon everyone else because you're the leader, you're the captain. When the manager says, no, you're not going to captain this team because of the disrespect you're showing to your team and your teammates, then they can look at you in a different light. And I think that could maybe, yeah, we can shake hands, but deep down they might have other thoughts about you when they're looking in your face. You know, you've been in there, Lucho, and seen it. Played with a lot of... Uh, I can't say the word. It's on the pod. <laughs> you know what it's we call They use it a lot in Liverpool with Lucho, so you've heard it. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave our brains and our minds to our imaginations. So, fellas, great stuff today. Last but not least, got to give your final thoughts. Let's do predictions for tomorrow's game. Interesting matchups, interesting score lines. Lucho, starting with your very own Spain, Morocco. What do you think is going to happen in that? What's your score? Yeah, for me, I'm going to go for a 2-1 for Spain. I think the both team has got uh, a lot of talent and quality up front, so they might score uh, goals. And uh, in Portugal, uh, I think it's tough to, to call this one, but I'm going to go for a 1-1 result and go into penalties. And I'm going to say Portugal to go through. Nice. Keep it in Iberian style. Morocco, Spain, I'm going for a 3-1 Morocco. 
nine. Sorry, Sorry, mate. That's fine. Uh, I'm going for the Portuguese upset. I think the stars are aligning with this thing now that Portugal, Switzerland are going to upset Portugal. Uh, Nigeria Coker. 2 1 scoreline. You are still seasick in the head if you think both of those upsets are going to happen. You must still be on holiday because I'll tell you what, I think that this Spanish team is good. Very good. And they were unfortunate not to get the goal. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a close game. I see Spain going through, but I don't think you're that sick in the head coming off vacation to pick Swiss over Portugal. I see an upset in that. I see that game. The Swiss team, we didn't talk about them enough. They are very good defensively, and they will snuff out Portuguese attacks. Portugal, when they get frustrated, they throw numbers forward, and I think they're vulnerable at the back for a counterattack goal. I see the Swiss getting it done in extra time. Thank you very much for listening to House oh, wait, of Champions. Off, let me say something to Lucho. <laughs> Lucho, be careful who Michael backs, because whoever Michael backs, <laughs> yeah, do have the kiss crash and burn. So Spain are going to crash and burn. That's what I have to say. <laughs> well, I do have, I have the club football kiss of death, not so much the FIFA World Cup kiss of death. I did back my USMNT, and many of you did. So smart people you are. Thank you so much for listening to House of Champions. Please take a moment to leave us a rating. Review us on your favorite. Classic. (laughs) You know what? what? Thank you for listening. Before Nigel Rio Coker sucks up any more air on the pod, (laughs) we're out of here. We're back tomorrow with a live recap of all the matches. We'll be back with a fuller cast. But Lucho, thank you very much for your contributions. NRC, I still will say thank you. Still a little butthurt. You didn't let me finish in style. But as always, good to have you back.